The weather is finally getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince. Now I've got a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year, like premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost like the middleman that passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. I am so excited. I have two gorgeous, lightweight cashmere sweaters coming my way. One camel, one heather gray. I cannot wait to wear them in the warmer months when it's chilly in LA. Throwing them over my shoulders. Going to look so cute. Can't wait. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash judging Megan for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash judging Megan to get free shipping and 365 day returns quince.com slash judging Megan. And now back to the podcast. Well, hello everyone. You are listening to judging Megan with your host, Megan judge. Um, so my kids are back at school. I pretty much wanted to have a party the first day. I, I did, it's for me when the moms are like, "Oh my god, summer goes by so fast." I I can't I can't bear the thought of losing my children to school. No, I am the opposite. I pretty much wanted to have a party. It could have been prom in my house. I don't know. I do love my children so deeply, but I really wanted them to go back to school. Second thing I'm going to tell you before I introduce my guest. I have a friend, and this is not an ad. This is me supporting a friend of mine and women supporting women, which I'm a huge, a huge believer in. She started this underwear line, and I'm going to tell my guest about it too because she's a young lady. But I have openly discussed on the podcast that I'm done wearing thong underwear. If you are a man listening to this podcast, I apologize in advance for the next one minute ramble that I'm going to go on. I was like, I'm, you know, I've had kids. I'm in my 40s. I'm ready to wear Hanes for her, right? I'm just done. I want to wear some breathable, comfortable underwear, except when I'm working out. Hence, my friend started this company. They are like thongs, but they are so comfortable and they are quick drying, seamless underwear. And her goal with her partner, they're two moms that started this. They've been working on it for five years was to make an underwear that dries quickly. So if you're like working out, you can go run errands. You don't have to race home and take a shower. She gave me two pairs. I've already worn them both. I hand washed them the minute she gave them to me and they are so comfortable. And it is true. They are seamless and quick drying. If you are interested, and I hope you are because I'm doing you a favor right now, go to wearbadari.com. That's W-E-A-R-B-A-D. A-R-I.com. 
They come in tan and black, and I'm doing you a huge favor because they are so comfortable, you don't even feel like you're wearing anything. And I am going to start the podcast. Hi, Kaya. How are you? Hi, good. How are you? So I'm honored. I've been, um, this is, I'm introducing my guest. Sorry, I just said Kaya. Kaya De Laverne. Um, she is a gun violence survivor. She is a mom. She is a, a volunteer with Moms Demand Action. I have been trying to get Kaya on the podcast for, I think, about six months, and we've gone back and forth. And I am just so beyond honored to meet her virtually in person and have her on the podcast to share her story. She's a new mom. So that's part of why we were kind of having an obstacle recording because she just had a baby pretty recently. And um, she told me before we recorded that she listens to every episode. So I was very, very honored to meet you. Hi, Kaya. How are you today? Hi. How are you? I am good, Kaya. I am good. Uh, Kaya and I also have in common the fact that she uh, is living in Virginia and she knows that I'm a I'm from Potomac, Maryland. So we were kind of chatting about that before the episode started. Um, but here's what I'm going to say before we start chatting. I had a friend recently say to me, Megan, I listened to every episode. I don't, there's one thing I did not like. It was when you got political. I don't remember what it was that I said. I really, truly try not to get political because the world is so divided right now. And my whole goal of sharing these stories is to get people to listen and know, know that trauma and grieving does not define you or if you are dealing with mental health issues and you need to go see a therapist that doesn't define you, that doesn't make you different or something's wrong with you. It just makes you like everybody else. But I will say this. Um, I, I wanted Kaya to come on because I don't ever think that gun violence or anything having to do with guns should be political, period. I don't know how it even became that to begin with. I want her to share her story. You think however you want to think about it. But all I know is this beautiful girl sitting in front of me went through something very horrific. And that hence is why I'm sharing her story. So thank you again, Kaya. Let's start with where you were originally from, just like we met in a coffee shop, which I always tell my guests. I know your backstory, but I, I pretend like I've never even talked to you before. Like, hi, Kaya, how are you? Where are you from? Um, yeah, so I'm originally, I was born and raised in Anchorage, Alaska, and I lived there until I was 17. Um, my mom was a single mom when she had me when she was young and she, um, put herself through college engineering school with me. And then during her senior year, that's when she met my stepdad and they got together. Um, I was six, so I've had him in my life since then. And then, um, in middle school, um, my mom had my brothers. So right now they're 12 and 13, almost 14. So they're like a lot younger than me. That must be kind of cool though. Yeah, it's cool. Cause it's like, I'm like the cool older sister. But then when they were little, I was also like a second mom. So it wasn't that fun. 
but that's why I waited until I was definitely ready until I had kids because of that. My mom's always like, oh, it was the best birth control for you. Yeah, I have a sister that's like seven years older than me, and she somehow always had the role of like part-time mom or nanny. So I know how that was for her. Tell me what it's like growing up in Alaska. I've met people from Alaska, and I'm always amazed by the fact I've never been to Alaska, by the way, and I've always wanted to go. I know it's beautiful, but what I want to know is what everybody probably asks you is what is it like? Cause it's always dark. Um, so like in the winter, it's like, it's dark from like 10 AM to like maybe like 4 PM. So when you go to school or work, it's like dark. And then when you get off, it's dark. So, but then I played winter sports all my life. So I played, I was, I played hockey my entire life. And um, like ice hockey or yeah, field ice hockey? hockey? Yeah. Ice, ice hockey. hockey. Okay. That's really cool for yeah. girls, yeah. especially. Yeah. That's a big sport there. Yeah. It's a big sport. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I played like my entire life. So winter wasn't a big deal for me, but a lot of people who don't have something to do in winter, like get depressed because of the darkness and stuff. But I was always just going with sports I've I've always wondered that because they say that people in um where is that Seattle because it always rains in Seattle uh, kind of suffer with depression because of the weather so that's common too in Alaska yeah Mm -hmm. okay okay it's like they have like sad lights that they sit in front of sometimes people and it's just like a bright light that uh like charges them with sunshine or whatever and makes them um, happy. <laughs> but was it was growing up in Alaska a nice like did you have a nice upbringing? Was it a good place to grow up aside from being dark and the things we've talked about until hence that episode that we're going to talk about? Yeah, um it was good. And then, you know, every like as a kid I did deal with bullying and depression and stuff, but that started in middle school. Mm-hmm. And then throughout high school as well. But I always had a core group of friends and now was, you know, happy for the most part, just playing sports and with my family and my brothers and hiking and camping and just being outdoors as a kid. So outdoorsy. You know, it's interesting you bring up bullying. Um, I'm, I, I do an episode about it, doing an episode about bullying. I've, I, you know, I would say the majority of people not to go off track that I meet, I have two little girls. One told, came home with a story already. It's the second day of school, my older daughter. And I could, I'm like, what is wrong with people? And the thing, my thing with it is I went through a period between, and I've talked about this on the podcast, I would say between fourth and sixth grade. And something I will tell you is it always sits with you. It will always sit with me that like the way that I was treated during that short period of time and as always as a even a woman in my 40s has made me really insecure, you know, like and then I had like a deal with a friend breakup and all those mean girls. So mean little girls turn into mean women, FYI. So I just wish (laughs) there was a way to break the cycle of bullying. I'm not perfect, by the way. I think what happened with me is I got bullied. So I turned around because it was an insecurity thing and I wasn't happy with myself. And there was a period in high school where I was a little bit of a bully and I really, really regret it. But I tell my daughter, I'm like, bullies don't want to be bullied. So stand up for yourself. The next time this girl turns around and gives you the stink eye or says something mean, you turn right around and you say, I'm sorry, you're so unhappy with yourself. And I think that's how you combat it. 
It's a total separate episode. So tune in for that because I'm going to be having an expert come on um, uh, to talk about that. That's the way it is with like abusive people though as well. Yeah, exactly. If you stand up to like a verbally abusive person, then they'll like immediately be like, oh, like I would, you know, my bad. And then, you know, step down and never come to you again in the same way. It's so true, but it's like the way that the way that girls and I've really tried to understand this. I've talked about this before. The way that gir- young girls and women treat each other is so wrong. And it's like, well, where did this come from? I cannot figure it out. And then I I think I've had done an episode with Dr. Nay, who was my therapist for a long time. I s- still love her to pieces. She's writing a book, so she's not my therapist right now. Um I'm like, why do women do this to each other? Is it because of boys? What does it come from? So I'm, 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 I'm never giving up on the anti-bullying thing. And if you want to partner with me and do something with this down the line, we will, lady. Okay. So now we're going to go into the hard story and kind of why you came on. And I know this isn't easy to talk about, but I think with every story and with all the things, um, and all the shootings in schools, especially this should not be happening anymore. Period. This should not be happening. The thought that before I had to send my kids to school two days before I was up for several hours that night. And I was like, well, what if it happened to my kids and you're a new mom? So now you have had your own history with gun violence, sadly. And now you will be joining the club of knowing that nothing is being done or there's a little bit being done, but in my opinion, not enough. So you, by you sharing your story on a podcast or whether you decide to write a book or you do whatever you do with your life, just know that your story matters. And to the people that say your story doesn't matter and they try to hide you in the shadows, your story matters. So thank you again for sharing what you're about to share. So tell me what happened the day of the shooting. Um, so it was um, October 23rd, 2015. And I had just moved back to Alaska to um, attend college freshman year. And that day I was sitting down with a friend to watch a movie. And then we hear banging on the front door. And then the banging stopped for a minute and then we heard banging on the back door and then my friend went down to see who it was and I hear three loud bangs and then I hear footsteps coming up the stairs and I'm sitting on the bed and then he comes in the room and he points the gun at me and I shake my head no and he fires and I lay down and I pretend to be dead and I don't breathe or move and I see him and then He grabs something out of the dresser and then leaves the room. And that's when I took a big breath and um, got up off the bed and got on the floor and wrapped a towel around my head and um, tried to call 911. But the uh, in the in that house, the service was really bad. And um, like I I thought I was talking on the phone when I called them. And like um, I remember like calling them. They couldn't understand me. I hung up and then they called back and I like hung up. And when in court came out and like, I listened to the tape and it was just like me gurgling, but like in my head, like I was talking. Um, 
And then I was like, okay, well, no one's going to come get me. So I better like get out of this house. So I got up and I went to the window and I was on the second floor of the um, house. And it was a high second story window. And I opened the window and I got myself out and I grabbed the window and then I lowered myself down and landed safely like in a bush. And, um, and then I see the man running out the back door and I hide like behind the bush in the stoop. And then I see him getting in his car and he drove away. Um, and then I went out to the middle of the street and I tried to flag down a, a car and I like see cars passing me and no one's stopping. So I finally get in the middle of the road and uh, um, like they're going to stop or they're going to run me over. And so finally, like the guy stopped and, you know, Lou came out later. He's a family friend now, but he stopped and um, put me in the car and like asked me what happened. And at the time I was in flight or flight. So I was I was like, oh, I got beat or I got shot. Like, obviously, I knew I got shot. But like it was like, how am I still like walking and talking if I just got shot in the face? Like, there's no way. So like my in uh, defense mechanism, my body was like, no, you must have got beat. So I told him that. And then, you know, he, his wife came down because they were right around the street from the house. And she came and like, I got in the back seat and I couldn't talk because my mouth was like my jaw, uh, the muscles in the jaw moved and like my jaw was locking up. So I started like trying to sign my name. And she remembered that and she like was able to uh, translate it. And then, um, like the cops came and at the time they're like, where's the shooter? Like, where's the shooter? And then I was trying to convey that the person in the house was like uh, a good person and not the shooter, even though I told the shooter left, but I was like, Oh, so my boyfriend's in the house. And then they, they leaked the police leaked that to the media, the local media. And then the local media leaked that story and said that it was like a love triangle and all this stuff started. So that's when the victim blaming really started. And then it continued through the trial, which was three years later. But, um, I, I honestly don't even know what to say. Where were you shot? Like what part were you shot? You were shot. Um, So I was shot under the eyebrow and then it went through and out like through the occipital, um, canal and then out the back of my neck, um, right below the hairline. So it was like a millimeter, um, from the spine and then like didn't hit the brain or anything because it just yeah, that's a miracle that it didn't hit your because I was like, how were you able to talk, like function and think? Mm-hmm. I didn't hit any part of the brain. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's in. Wow. But I did lose my left eye because of it. It was taken when the bullet um, traveled through my head and then the bullet went in the wall and hit the wall and like went through. So the gun he shot me with was a 45 caliber black handgun. Um, so was, yeah. So it was a big caliber um and it was because of the type of bullet used that's the reason that me and the other um survivor survived yeah tell me about the other survivor so yeah yeah. so he was my friend um and we were all friends actually all three of us and then I've met both of them 21 days prior um at the beginning of October and you know I was you know we were all like friends whatever and then you know the, the the man who shot me had feelings for me and liked me and we were talking but you know weren't together and didn't do anything together and then a few days prior he's like oh I'm moving like an hour away and I'm like cool like um let's cut it off then like let's just be friends so then we decided to be friends and then I guess he wasn't okay with that and 
few days later. So, so this is why it happened. It was, it was basically, he had feelings for you and was angry that you denied him. And then you were with another guy friend. Is that kind of what happened? That's what in his mind, I think what happened. And then also that same day, his parents kicked him out. It came out in court. Those parents kicked him out that same day. So I think it was him putting that rage from his parents and then also that onto both me and his other friend yeah friend quotation marks tell me about um what the aftermath so the the ambulance finally came and got you yeah so they finally got me um and then once I was in the ambulance I asked the EMT I was like oh was I shot and that's when he told me like yes and then that's when like I blacked out because I was like oh like I'm I'm shot I'm not okay whatever and then um I was in the hospital and then once I got I was in the emergency room and the police took my phone right away and I didn't have anyone to call um because I just had moved back from Japan where my family had moved um so Sorry, by the way, my daughter just decided, I saw you look, to sneak. It's a Saturday, and I'm not trying to interrupt, And but Ella, please leave the room. I'm not even going to edit this out, but that's what, you're a mom. Get ready for I it. Mean, no, I have a stepson, so. <laughs> stepson, so you already know. Yeah, I already know. Um, I didn't mean to interrupt the story, but she just was crawling in the room to get a charger. I know, I saw her. <laughs> yeah. Um, so tell me, so. The thought, the thought of knowing that you were able to comprehend what had happened to you, I I can't even imagine what that would be like. Can you explain what that, or were you just so, you said you were in fight or flight. What was, do you have any recollection of knowing, like you must, you, you said you knew who did it even after you were like, before the ambulance came. Can you kind of talk about that? Um, yeah, so I was just filled with adrenaline. So I didn't, it wasn't really painful until I went out the window and like I had to move my neck and I was like, ow, like, why is my neck hurt? Yeah. And then it was really just adrenaline because I was getting out of the situation. Um, and then, like I said, once I got in the ambulance, that's when I blacked out because I was like, the adrenaline kind of left when I found out like, oh, I was shot. And then once I got to the hospital, the police took my phone right away, so I was stuck there without anyone to call. Um, there's only one number I memorized, and it was my aunt's who had the same number since I was, like, in elementary school. So I called her, and she had to get a hold of people, and it was on a Friday night, and um, no one could get to me for, like, 12 hours. So I was in the uh, eat, like emergency room alone. And they had me still in, like, a neck brace because they thought my – they said my neck was broken. They Like, I was covered in blood still. They didn't clean me up or anything. And then finally, when um, I got up to like a room and my uh, my godmother was there and uh, the doctor came in, was like, why is she still in this neck brace? Like she needs to go take a shower. Like she's covered in blood. And had like then my aunt was brushing out or my godmother was brushing out my hair. And like I had like sticks in my hair and all this stuff in my hair. And they just left me just to like fester in blood. That's unbelievable. What? So that's why I try to speak to medical communities as well, because I'm like, y'all need to have some like trauma informed care of someone who's alone. I know the emergency room is busy, but you could have like, not to mention the the fact that you, you, yeah, you were a shooting victim that had been shot in the face. 
and you're yeah, tra- yeah. you were obviously traumatized. You're a young girl. That's that blows my mind. I never would have thought that way, but were so when your family finally got to you, how lot like were you? It was not. Was it life threatening? Like, tell me what was happening at that point. For me, it wasn't life threatening. It um because the bullet went out. So I was, uh, so I had to, I was in the hospital Friday night and then Sunday I had surgery to remove like the remnants of the eye and, um, put like a holder in and cover, you know, get everything, uh, cleaned up. And then on Monday, my mom got there from Japan and I went home that same day because it was easier for me to heal at home than be in the hospital with all the germs and, um, being checked on constantly when my mom could care for me for me. What, tell me what that was like knowing, like, were you feeling anger? Were you in shock? Like knowing that you lost your eye? What was that like? What was that feeling like? I didn't feel anything until later. Yeah. Like it took a while to set in. Yeah. Until probably I moved back to Japan, um, after Christmas because it happened in October. So we left uh, right before Christmas. We stayed for two months for me to heal and get my prosthetic eye made and um, all that. And then I went home and we went back to Japan for Christmas and I was living there and healing there. Um, so once I got there, it really hit me because people were not <laughs> trauma conscious at all and would be like, oh, that's the girl that got shot. Or like, it was really self-conscious about it because everyone knew and they would like, pointed out if like I would go out or something. (sighs) Now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. So it can be tough to train your brain to stay in problem solving mode when faced with challenges in life. Something that I found is in my own experience, I was in therapy for a long time, loved my therapist. She's taking a break so she can write a book. So I decided to fill out the survey myself on BetterHelp. And I will tell you right now, I was matched up with the best therapist. I didn't think it was possible. I used my own discount and I did it. Um, So I just want you to know that this is not just an ad. I'm actually a real BetterHelp client. I love it. I love the therapist they matched me up with. And I can just tell you it was super convenient. It's a great option. It's accessible. It's affordable and it's entirely online. So what you do is you type in betterhelp.com slash judging Megan today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash judging Megan. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. This time of year is the worst. I feel like I can't do anything and I can't enjoy my dinner because I can't taste my food and I can't work out because I feel tired and distracted. I can't even feel like I can host this show because my voice sounds like a duck. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. I feel like 
I've been using Claritin D for probably a few months now, and I have really noticed a difference. I can work out. I'm not feeling like my eyes are watering and my nose is all stuffed up. I can speak without feeling like a frog has jumped into my throat. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And now back to the show. Did you, um, so, so you talk about the media. I recently did an episode with Jan Canty. I don't know if you listened to that episode and she, um, her husband, um, was murdered. Um, and she talks about the media and how it's like re-trauma, re, how it re-traumatized her. Did you feel that way? Cause you touched on in the beginning a little bit about how the media treated you. What was, tell me about that. Yeah. So I would say it was re-traumatizing at trial. Okay. So the trial wasn't, you're saying it wasn't three until three years later, it took that long. Yes. Because the, um, the perpetrator kept filing unnecessary motions to put it off. And I felt like my life was still being controlled with by him. So I finally was like, I'm going to sue you civilly. And then as soon as I put the suit in civilly, I didn't do anything with it. I just filed it. And as soon as I did that, he stopped with the unnecessary motions and trial went through. It's unbelievable. On a side note, it's unbelievable to me, the legal system in our country, that it should take three years for somebody that shot two people to be going to court. like. On TV, that's the thing. You you watch like these crime shows, and you are like, oh, they go to they go to trial the next day, or they are caught by the police, and they're a bad guy, and then they immediately go to jail. But that's not the case. No, I mean, trial you- is really re-traumatizing for a lot of the victims' families and the survivors as well, because like usually the you know the media as as I. We discussed, and then also the um, defense attorneys will probably use anything they can to get their client out of jail, so or prison. So the man who shot me, he, he tried to use heat of passion defense, which means that like he went in and basically found me with another dude and was like, "Oh, I'm gonna shoot you guys because that's my girl." So he lied. Yeah. Yeah. Because I wasn't his girl. He left the house multiple times that day, which he was given time to cool off and come back. And then um, we weren't in bed together, like, when he found us at all. We were sitting, you know, on opposite sides, so. So what happened to, what was the, what were the injuries with the other um, person in the house? He was shot um, three times in the stomach. And then he was beat with, like, an ironing board iron where it was, uh destroyed 
And then he was beat with the gun where the um, bullets and everything fell out. So is he, how, what is his status now? Is he, he's um, He was in the hospital, yeah. He was in the hospital for a lot longer than I was and had a lot longer of a recovery. Um, but now, or last time I saw him at, at the sentencing, he was um, walking around, he was fine working. So and have now. you remained, have you remained in contact with each other? Are you friendly or? No, I think it's just too much to talk. Too much. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's too traumatizing. Tell me, okay, so what ended up happening, and we're going to kind of go back with your feelings and all of that kind of stuff, but what ended up happening to the perpetrator? Was he, what was his sentence once he went to court? Yeah, so he actually ran from the scene and it was a 17-hour manhunt to um, find him. And then he was finally apprehended. And then, so at the sentencing, he was sentenced to um, 141 years um, for 70 years on each count of attempted murder. And then 60 suspended. So a total served of 81 years. So are you happy with that sentence? Or I hate saying happy. Are you satisfied satisfied with the sentence? Yeah. I am, but I would, in this country, you know, they're up for parole um, in, I believe, like a third of the time. So, okay, so that would make him what age? He was 21 when it happened, so a third of 50, I guess. Oh, God. So, Which so I don't know if you would learn from all your mistakes by that age, especially if you're still in the prison system and, uh, you know, your family backed you up. And the church backed you up because his family was very involved in the church. So at the sentencing, he had like church members speak who have never even met him before. Mm-hmm. Um, like 20, 20 of them. And only people who can speak on the um, the other our side would be the victim and their family, like immediate family. So only I, um, the other victim, and then my mom was able to speak. Which is so... <sighs> It's unbelievable. That's unbelievable. I, I like don't even know what to say. Tell me about. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff parts about the court system. Yeah. Tell me about. Well, I mean, don't get me started. That's a whole. That this could turn into a three-hour episode with me mouthing off. So I won't do that. But I do. I do want to know how because a lot of this, why I do what I do and have people like you come on is to talk about the trauma and the healing and where you are now. This happened in 2015. You were re-traumatized three years later. So if I do the math in my head, you, how how many years now? So that's like, you've had a few years. You had, you recently became a mom. Tell me, tell me what, how you're feeling now. Like, tell me kind of where you are, because I I think that there's so many different ways in life, like what we all go through as people. Your story is most people could never understand it, right? Because it's not like the typical story, but you were harmed, almost died. You could have died, right? It's a miracle. You're, You're still here. And then you're a new mom. You've gone on to live your life. You're living in the Washington area. Tell me what it's like to be these years later and like kind of where you are in the healing process. 
Yeah, so for that first year afterwards, I call it my garbage year because I was, I couldn't leave the house. I was very traumatized. I was dealing with a lot of PTSD, um, anxiety attacks and anxiety. Um, and then in 2017, that's when I like went back to school and I started um, getting my life back on track. But my best friend also died that year in October, a week um, before my shooting, the second anniversary of my shooting. And um, so that really like put me down again, another, you know, down like another peg. And I had, and then in 2018, that's when I moved to DC and I was, had the trial and I was going through all that. And then that's, and then in 2019, I got involved with Every Town and Moms Demand Action and started going to therapy for the first time pretty much since I was shot um, through every town because they had where you could get a free therapist through them. And they have a also a relationship with BetterHelp, which you have a, a partnership as well. You can get, yeah, you can get the therapy through them. So I, uh, I started going to therapy and I connected with um, a person named Laura with uh, Moms Demand Action. And she really like put me under her wing and got me into the survivor community. And then I started sharing my story because I just felt so alone after I was shot. And I was in Japan. So I was like whisked away from any community I could have, even though it was better to be there because there is no gun violence and it was safe. And, you know, I was able to feel um, away from like the American, you know, gun established community. But um, it also was I was taken away from a community I could have had with, you know, the survivors, the gun violence survivors. And um, now I still, you know, have PTSD. It doesn't really go away. Um, but I've learned to deal with my anxiety by breathing techniques and um, like working out and art and gardening and spending time with my family and just a lot of like natural uh healing technique so not so non-medicated yeah. healing and therapy i mean there's ways to deal with uh ptsd without being put on meds but it's a personal decision for yeah. everyone and i was on meds um in 2016 when i did need it for that time and then i just it didn't work with like what I was doing at the time. So I did have to get off of it because it doesn't interact well with alcohol and I was drinking a lot. So, so was, so was, that's a good question. So was, were you leaning on alcohol? Yeah. Yeah, I was. And now I don't really drink at all. So I've like come a long way from leaning on alcohol a lot during 2016 to not drinking at all. <laughs> so. Well, because you probably, you just didn't, it makes sense. You don't want to, I can't, like most people can't even imagine some person coming in the house with a gun and just shooting them in the head. So mm -hmm. it makes sense. Like you're always going to find as a human being a crutch, but I've said, I say this a lot. Um, your trauma is always going to follow you until you look it in the face and you deal with it. Yeah. So you can run and hide forever, but it's always going to come. I am so sorry to hear about your best friend. I know you listen. I lost my best friend too. Yeah, I'm sorry. And it, and it, and it, it's like a pile on, it sounds like for you. Like, are you spiritual? Um, not in the way you are, but I am. Yeah, <laughs> that's okay. I just, I wonder, I asked that because a lot of times. I do see signs from her. 
I know you're okay, so tell me, let me, because I want to take a turn. What, tell me about your best friend. I would love to honor her and talk about her. Um, so I actually named my daughter after her. My daughter has her name. Her name's Marina. So my daughter's middle name is Marina. Um, she was just like the nicest person ever. And she came into my life like your best friend when it was a really hard time and you were going through a lot. Like I moved to Japan and I was my senior year and I was like, oh, this is horrible. And then, you know, I met her and like we just became best friends and her parents like became my parents, like in your case as well. So it was really like a... And I would always be at her house all the time and just, I, would, I called her mom, like Mama Doris. That was, you know, her name. And, you know, I, I when I named my daughter after her, she like, her mom was like crying. I was like, ah. But it's just, you know, and she passed and she was 19 when she passed. And I was how did she, when how I was did she pa- How did Marina pass away? Um, It was a uh, overdose. Yeah. Okay. That's so, I can't, I am so sorry. I can't imagine you know, it doesn't make sense. I don't know, like, why these things happen. And I I wish, I wish sometimes, like, if I actually make it up to the gates, which I pray I do, because I am spiritual, and I do believe in heaven and all that stuff. I just want, I really want to be like, but why? Yeah, <laughs> but seriously, right? And I, and like, your story is like, one of so much pain and hardship. But then it's what you do with it, right? And I'm wondering if you think the same way that I do. It's like you're put on this planet for a very short amount of time. I mean, it sounds like a long time when you're born. Most people, what's the age span for women is like 80, I think, or 85. Yeah, now. <laughs> now. But I'm wondering, that goes by so fast. And I'm wondering if you... Like, I know your story, you've turned it around and you've become a speaker and, a, and an advocate for, uh, against gun violence. Mm-hmm. Tell me, tell me like where you are, like, tell me a little bit about that. Like, when did you decide I need to, to share my story because I need to help others and I need to make, I need to get someone to listen because it sounds to me like people that are survivors of gun violence there it's like hitting your head up against a wall all the time and and nothing's changing i can't imagine the re-traumatiz- the re-traumatization of knowing that you were violated and shot and then thinking well we're in america there's laws like why is this person like why is this still happening why is this happening in schools why is this happening like Every single month, there's shootings like more than anybody can count. And this is the norm in our country now. Tell me about what that's like to be a survivor and feel that way. Um, so there are things happening, like positive things, especially locally. Yeah, okay. So, like there's violence interrupters in a lot of communities, and they literally stop violence before it occurs. Um, Tell me about that, because I don't know about that. And I think my listeners would want to know about that, too. Yeah, so violence interrupters are usually funded by the um, city, and they go to their people from the neighborhoods and go to the neighborhoods that are target that have a lot of violence in them, and they find people who both are going to be victims of violence and perpetrators of violence, and they help them learn to discuss their problems and talk about it and put down the guns instead of just shooting. And they also provide, yeah, and they also provide, like, during COVID, um, there's a group in D.C. called Cure the Streets, 
And they also provided like food for all the residents and PPE and COVID information and school supplies and like uh, Christmas gifts for kids during Christmas and having Thanksgiving dinners and all sorts of stuff. So they really just uplift the community and like build relationships to stop the violence before it occurs. I had like, I thank you. I could use some good news. I think that everybody could. I had no idea. Is this just in no, they have No, they have like organizations in most of the big cities. Um, so I'm sure they have a few in LA. I know that's where you're close to, right? Yeah, they have a lot in LA that are just different organizations. They'll just have different names. But if you look up like a local violence interrupter, like LA violence interrupters, you should be able to find a local one. I am so excited right now. I love good news. Um, But let me ask you the the biggest thing. So that's like mainly like because like of crime or where you are, like if you're in a city where there's a lot of gangs, do you think obviously this is a mental health issue number one, right? The majority of these shooters, I'm asking you what your thoughts are on this, because the majority of these shooters that are going into schools are boys. What, where are your, where do you stand with that? And again, I don't ever want to make this political because it's become so political, but it's more like I need to understand what a survivor of something like this, where you sit with it. My thoughts. Yeah. So I could see how it could be a mental health issue, but I don't think that's an excuse because lots of people go through abuse and mental health issues and all that. So like I was in abusive relationships. So I've gone through, you know, I've been shot. I've gone, you know, I've gone through all this bullying, all this types of stuff. And I've never even thought about doing that before, you know, never even been the current. So I would say, yes, it could be a mental health issue, but I don't think that that's an excuse at all. And I think it's like more like a radicalized extremist. Yes. Yes, a hundred percent. And I just like I've always using I always as an excuse. A hundred percent. So so do you have any like thoughts on as far as solutions without taking away people's rights to the to having guns? Because it's become just so political where it, I just can't even imagine what it's like being a survivor of gun violence, what it would be like today. To, to be watching this on the news and TV. I, I'm hoping you don't watch it a lot and you try to stay away from it. <laughs> no, I have a, I have a nice bubble that I like You're to in stay. a nice bubble. Yeah, honestly. Um, it just makes me like a lot happier just to stay in my little bubble. And then like a lot of the people on the social media that I interact with are fellow like moms, advocates or supporters. So I don't see a lot of the um, the hate out there and if I do I usually just block it if I'm honest I, I don't believe I just block it because I don't need to see it I just don't need to deal with it um I forgot your question <laughs> no that's okay I just it was more like I don't I, I don't know how to address it really because it doesn't seem I mean I know that there's a lot there there Congress and everybody they're trying to make laws right now to keep guns. Oh, like I for, yeah. Like, so I'm trying to ask, like, mm-hmm. what are your thoughts kind of with that? Yeah. So right now, like you would think that there was a background check law on every gun sale, but there's not. And that would be the first thing that I would uh, like. And then another thing that I think would be like, that might seem kind of radical, but I think would be great. is like a gun safety class. If you want to buy a gun, like a quick, you know, or at least like a 20 minute video you have to watch before you can uh, go home with the weapon. 
Well, they say it's easier to get a driver's license than get, like, it's easier to get a gun than a driver's license. Yeah. It just makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It just makes sense that this should be something that has to be done. But I think everything is it's about It's really money. a multifaceted approach that's needed. So it needs to be, like, after-school care, you know, uh, background checks on gun sales, uh, banning the AR uh, assault rifles, uh, you know. And like and, and yet like and yet that and way it's and therapy, even like national therapy would be great, which would help a lot, you know. Oh, don't get me started. <laughs> I think that mental health is a like that's why I do what I do. If we had free mental health in our country, I can't this wouldn't even yeah, there would still be issues, but you talk about Japan and other countries. I re- I had two girls on after one of the school shootings took place. They they do a podcast out of Australia called the Good Morning Podcast, and they and I asked them that day after a shooting took place. Well, what what is it like in Australia? Does this happen? And they're like, No, this doesn't happen. Why, why is this happening here? Why so much? And why does it feel like nobody's helping anybody or doing anything about it. And then to think about being in your own shoes, I can't imagine how, what that's like and how angry you must be or how frustrated you must be. I think the opposition is a lot louder than the people actually doing the uh, gun violence prevention work. Because like what I, you know, what I hear is just like all the wins from gun violence prevention. But like what you hear is like all the, you know, uh, losses. So it's just like the, the loudness of, uh, the, the opposition. Yeah. Well, I mean, there has to be changes period. I, I would like to go in a positive direction because I love a happy ending and I love to hear like where you are today. So you are a new mommy. I want to hear about your daughter. I love that she's named after your best friend. Can you tell me a little bit about her? Yeah, so she's uh, four and a half, or she'll be five months this week. Uh, She's like so happy and advanced and laughing and cute. Everyone says she's the most beautiful baby ever. I'm I'm impartial, of course, but. (laughs) (laughs) Was that, was that like. What I know what it's like to be a mom of two two little girls, but was that what did that do for your life? Was it like bring a whole new like I don't know what I'm trying to say, but it's like becoming a mom, it can be so difficult. I remember being a new mom, but it's also like, oh my gosh, I have this like purpose. I have this thing that I never understood this kind of love before. What what is that like for you? Yeah, like you love them so much you cry. <laughs> yeah. And those first few weeks. And then I had like all these uh my aunt and my mom and my grandma all came to visit. So there was a lot of like estrogen in there. So everyone was crying all the time for like the first week we were home. I was like, wow. <laughs> Do you think that it like being a mom? just kind of helps you like in general with all the stuff you've been through. I mean, I try to say this, there's so much trauma and like, I've talked about my own story with comp being diagnosed with complex PTSD stemming from my childhood, 
but I know this podcast can be really hard. I talk about really sad things a lot, but I think it's always good to talk about, well, yeah, you're, there's a quote, you keep going because you haven't seen your happiest day. Right. Mm, so, yeah, yeah. So to, to like know that you've been through so much stuff, like more than most people could ever understand and then be given this amazing gift of motherhood and, and hat this happiness, it, but yet yeah, you're still going to go through things in life. You know, this is a constant struggle. I just like kind of wonder what your thoughts on are that on that. So when I found out I was pregnant, I actually went back to therapy because I needed to deal with everything. Was it a surprise? No, I was, we were trying to, it was planned. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So why, so you went back to um, therapy to be prepared or tell me about that? To deal with all my issues before she came. So I wouldn't put like that trauma onto her because in 2021, we got custody of um, my stepson, my husband's son. And it was like a really rough adjustment period. And I realized, you know, doing that and like, we actually, I had to homeschool him with kindergarten when he came to. So it was a lot. Yeah. COVID. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And so, uh, and then, you know, we, we we're like really close now and everything's, you know, worked out, but I've like realized I was like, I can't be putting like my, you know, PTSD anger or whatever. And like freaking out, I can't like just be doing that. So I need to like go to therapy and like deal with all these little issues that are bothering me and learn how to communicate with my husband better and learn to deal with my stuff instead of just like letting it like go under the rug and make me really, really mad later because I didn't address it when it happened. And so I dealt with all that. And then when I had her, I was like, oh, this is great. This is great. And then, you know, my family came and it was a lot dealing with my family, even though they're great and they want to help. But it's still like a lot of uh, energy (laughs) in a house. So I was like, wow, okay. And then I had to like be like, all right, everyone needs to like leave. And I needed to set boundaries. And, you know, once I did that and we like got our routine back together, it was okay. But it was just like a lot to deal with everything at once again. And then you just have to like know yourself and trust yourself to set your own boundaries. And then when you do it, just stick by yourself and realize that even if you make your family mad at the time that they, you know, they'll get over it because they love you. Yeah, it's true. You know, I think you're pretty amazing. I really do. I'm sure a lot of people tell you that. And there's a reason why I stalked you for six months. To, to have you on the podcast. I love to, um, a lot of times the connections I've made doing this, um, you know, you told me earlier that you knew Michelle Leopold. Um, so I met Michelle whose son, uh, passed away, um, sadly because he, uh, died of a fentanyl overdose and yet she has brought so much joy and new people into my life, like Kate and you. And, um, it's a constant gift to meet survivors like you and, and hear your stories because the more you share your story, there's somebody right now listening. I don't know where, maybe somewhere in the world and they needed to hear your story today. So they know that there's, it's worth being here for another day and to keep going. Yeah, so, don't give up. It'll definitely yeah, don't give up. 
And I'm just, I really mean that when I say like you're a fighter, I think you're amazing and keep going. And thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Um, in closing everyone, if you have, if you are mad at me today because you think I'm getting political, this, that's not what I'm doing. I wanted to share this story. I want people to understand that, um, there's reasons why things happen that we'll never understand, but I also stand firmly in my beliefs in some things. And so sometimes if I do get, if you take this as political, I apologize, but this is something that needs to change in our country and there needs to be change, period. Um, if you're a mother, you probably feel really strongly. Go ahead. I see you. And there is responsible gun ownership. My husband is a responsible gun owner. I live in a gun owning home and it just all if you're if you're legally allowed to and you have believe in safe storage, keep your guns locked and away from ammo so the kids don't have an intentional shooting, then um I'm all for you owning a gun. <laughs> uh, thank you for saying that because it's not black and white, right? No. Um in closing, everyone, thank you for listening to today's episode. Um, if you are so inclined, I think I don't know if you heard me talk about this on the last episode, but I am now posting these on YouTube, and I think I now have 19 followers on YouTube. So I am really embarrassed, and I guess I'm not as cool as I thought I would be. I was, but please follow me on YouTube, like and subscribe because I really my ego is a little bit bruised. Um, and if you're so inclined and you're listening on Apple or Spotify, please leave me a review. It helps new listeners find me. And in closing, thank you, Kaya. You're awesome. You, you have a friend for life in me. And um, be happy by making other people happy. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.